No. So, well, this is uh, Matthew chapter 10, 1 through 22. And, um, and there's a little bit more that Jesus goes on to say, but uh, I'll let you read that on your own. I found this to be an amazing thing that he does here. Here's a few things that I noticed. One, Jesus calls 12 guys and calls them apostles. Now, this only occurs every, uh, uh, rarely in the Gospels themselves. In fact, the apostles are rarely called the apostles. They're mostly called the disciples. Apostles here means sent ones, ambassadors. Uh, you could, in our modern language, maybe they'd be like influencers, okay? Maybe they would have had a YouTube channel then. I don't know. But there are 12 of these guys, and he knows them by name. And in fact, if you look at uh, what I found humorous is that if you look at the way that uh, Jesus called them their own nicknames, Simon, whom he called Peter, which is kind of a funny thing because Peter was anything but a rock. He was as, he was as stable as a wet noodle. I mean, he was all over the place. But then you go on further and further. You know, Simon the Zealot near the end, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And then all in the, in the midst of there, you know, this guy was this guy's brother. This guy was the son of this guy. There's this personal thing. Jesus knew them personally. What I found really more interesting, the rest of the passage, is that Jesus gives these guys these rules for engagement on how to take the gospel from just these 12 and these uh, uh, close ones that are around him, how to take it into the wider world. And he gives them first an idea of who to go to. The commentator says that the 12 apostles were woefully incapable of bringing the gospel to anybody else other than Israel. He says, don't go to the Samaritans because you hate them and you're already predisposed to not liking them. Don't go to the Gentiles because you, uh, we as Jews tend to have this, oh, we're better than you sort of attitude and that uh, you know, you're the goyim, okay? That was kind of a derogatory or pejorative term saying there's Israel and then there's the rest of you. You know, and so he's like, you guys are not capable of actually being loving enough to go to a bunch of people that you already don't like. So what you're going to do first is you're going to go to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, this wasn't meant to say that 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 these people were a bunch of weirdos, you know, lost in a ditch somewhere. But he's simply saying these are the ones that you need to go to your countrymen, your people. The message of the Messiah was for Israel first. And Jesus was Israel's Messiah, the one they had been waiting for all of these millennia. All of the Old Testament pointed to Jesus as being the very one prophesied about. And the message was simple. God's kingdom is here, and the Messiah is making all things new. Believe it. So he gives them this idea, he gives them this message, and he says, you go to Israel, go to the towns all across Israel on foot, and you're going to go there and you're going to preach this message. This is what you're going to do. But not only does he say who to go to, but he also gives them what to say and how to do it. And the message, like I said, was simple. Messiah was here and was working to inaugurate God's kingdom on earth. And this is good news for the poor, good news for the oppressed, freedom for the captive, healing for the sick, hope for the downtrodden. It's going to get better. I, uh, there's a song by Hezekiah Walker. And if you've never listened to Hezekiah Walker, if you are feeling down, you need to listen to his music because it will immediately, see Jackie knows, she's listening to him. Uh, it's got a song called Better. And the whole song, and they tend to repeat the song 800 times, but you get it. Um, and it's just things are going to get better. It's going to get better. And in a sense, the gospel message is just that. Jesus has come to make things better. 
He's came to take those who are in a state where they can't get better and make them better, not only from a sin point of view, but also from an external point of view of healing and right mind and right spirit and joy and peace and love in the Holy Ghost. So the disciples or these apostles or these twelve, their first focus was to take the message uh, to the people. He was to take them, take the message that Jesus himself had been giving to them all this time. This wasn't like he assembled 12 guys and said, okay, you guys have never heard this message, nothing. Cold call everybody you know with the message you have no, no idea anything about. But what you find here is that Jesus himself has spent all this time with these 12, pouring into them the very, very things that he wants them to go say. So they were ready. His message to the Jews, they were ready to take it. And their God-enabled ability to heal the sick and raise the dead and free the spiritually oppressed would bolster this God-is-near message. See, the signs and the wonders that were occurring with the, the, the apostles were, were not meant to be some sort of sideshow. Look what I can do. You know, come see, my, come see the holy healing people. No, it was meant to be something that says, I'm telling you that God is here. And I'm telling you that the, the freedom for the captives and healing for the sick and freedom uh, in God. And here are all the signs that prove that this is happening. So the signs and the wonders were meant to undergird the message. They're meant to be evidences that Messiah was here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So now we have this who to go to and what to say and how to do uh, uh, in the people that you're supposed to go to. And then also how to go and interact and respond to opposition. Notice here that when he says go out, he gives them kind of like this uh, rules for engagement, rules for operating procedures. Number one, don't take any profit for this. This is not a job. This is not a side hustle. This is not for you going out and making some cash on the side preaching the the message of the gospel. He says, this is a non-for-profit preaching gig. However, it does seem that food is a good payment. He says, don't take these things, but the the worker earns his food, which is great, because I really do feel like that's one of the more holy payments in life. Someone feeds you. That's a good thing. But also, not only is this not-for-profit, but it's also travel light. Only take what you need. Dependence upon God and the hospitality of others. And he's also saying this is, this is not a fashion show. You're not supposed to go out there with your multiple tunics and your multiple money belts and your awesome walking stick and your two pairs of sandals. He's saying go out with just what you need. It's like when I go hiking. There are some days when you go hiking and you bring all your cool stuff so you can show off all your cool stuff. Then there are days you just go for a walk. And you have your shoes and the clothes on your back and that's all you need. Jesus is saying gospel preaching is just this. You take what you have. This is not a road show. Travel light. But then he also says bring the peace of God and seek people who are people who are peaceful to dwell with. You notice that Jesus doesn't go and say, I want you to go find the people who are the most opposed to you and then go and slam them with the gospel. No, he's like, go find people who like you, whom you have their peace. Go and find those people and stay with them. Don't house hop. This isn't a, you know, a, a, this isn't, you know, a one stop and then move on to the next place. No, this is stay in one place. Share your life with them. The gospel is not just a one-time message. It is a message lived amongst people. So 
Find people of, of peace and stay with them. Also, here's how you handle rejection with class. Something that in our culture we don't handle very well. If you've ever been in a moment where you've been rejected professionally or religiously or socially in some way, our first inclination is to do what? Write a post about it on social media and tear these people up. That is our inclination because I've been unjustly destroyed, so therefore I'm just going to blow you up too. Jesus says when you go out into the world and you go and share this gospel message and you live among people and you share them the love of God and also bolster it with miracles, when you're going to be rejected. Some people are just going to go, I'm sorry, I don't get it, I don't like you. So he says, handle yourself with class. Leave the judgment to God. He says, shake the dust off your feet. Yes, it's a sign, but it's a silent sign. It is not the double eagle guns, you know, finger gesture. It is simply like, Sorry, I'm out. And you walk away. It does not leave a one-star or half-star review on Yelp. It is simply, I'm sorry. If you didn't like it, no big deal. I'm out. And let God handle that. And then he finally said, there's two more things he says. He says, be wise, but not suspicious. Be open, but watch your six. He says something here says, be wise as serpents, but innocent as doves. And the idea here is that to be wise as a serpent is to be selective, to be cautious, to not just be like all, you know, a super happy fun time and walk around with this, you know, weird smiling face and accepting everybody right as they come up, but to have some sort of idea of like, I need to be careful about who I and who and when and how I share this message. I need to be wise, but also to be a dove. The idea behind this, as one commentator said, it says, not be so cautious and suspicious and cunning that circumspection degenerates into fear and elusiveness. There's this opposite end that says, I'm, I'm going to uh, uh, be so cautious with who I share it with. Everybody is out to get me. It's this conspiratorial sort of mentality that I want to share the gospel, but not with you because I'm afraid you could hurt me in some way. And it closes it off. So Jesus is saying, neither be too open or too closed. Be wise, but cautious. Be open. Avoid conflict. And lastly, expect opposition, but don't go looking for it. The idea about sharing the gospel is not meant to be something where we just paratroop into some place and blast the gospel out to a bunch of folks and then say, come get me. Come at me, bro. That is, not, that is not the mentality of a gospel preacher. We can expect opposition, but don't go looking for it. And love and mercy must lead the way. Let's be clear. The gospel is disruptive. If you go and tell somebody that Jesus came to the earth, lived and died in your place, to forgive you of your sins, that you might be have a new relationship with him, and that you might get to participate in the regeneration of the world, that might offend some people. We ought to expect that, that is, we're going to face opposition. It is disruptive. Jesus goes on to say here that it, it, it causes splits in families and nations and peoples. The words you say will have an effect on somebody. But what God seems to be saying here to us is that when that happens... Let God speak through you with the right words at the right time, with peace and mercy. And don't oppose those who oppose you. Rather, endure endure the ridicule, 
and walk away if you can. There is no... In my church history class, I was, uh, I was able to witness through history the bad things that we as a church, universal, have done to other human beings in the name of the gospel. When a, a, a people group would oppose the gospel, sometimes we would conquer them with violence. That's wrong. When, when they would oppose the gospel, we'd align ourselves with another nation and then that nation would destroy them and mass convert them in ways that were just not gospel ways. We're not meant to do that. The gospel is not meant to be a bludgeon. It is not meant to be a cudgel that we slam over people's heads. It is meant to be shared and lived amongst people with mercy and love. And if there is opposition, walk away. What's God saying to us? Understand that this message, there's, uh, in some ways, this is, this is descriptive. This is describing what Jesus wanted these 12 to do. But there's a lesson in here for us. There's something that God is trying to talk to us about this morning. Here's what I think. I think that God is calling us to all be gospel sayers and doers, proclaiming the good news of God's nearness in Jesus and then proving it with restorative good works. Let me say that again. You and I are all called to be gospel proclaimers, people who speak the words of Jesus in his life, and then doers, people who live like Jesus lived amongst people, proclaiming the good news of God's nearness and then prove it by doing good things. So first and foremost, Jesus came near to us and has invited you and I, ordinary people, not spiritual you know, giants, the, the Michael Jordans of the spiritual world, he's called normal folk, you and I, everyday people, to be near him and to be part of his gospel proclamation. He calls you by name in the same way he called the 12 by name and invites you to play a part in his restoration of the world. And there's no special training required except dwell with Jesus, be near Jesus. Listen to what he does. Watch how he does things and do likewise. That's it. That's the training. There's no special course you have to take except for Jesus. Jesus is it. He's the book. He's the course. He's the class. And the only requirement, in a sense, is following Jesus in a certain kind of lifestyle. Jesus says the way it is is like this. You want to, be, want to follow me? You do two things. One, love God. Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. That's it. You... Solely devoted, hopelessly devoted, if you want to remember that old song. So hopelessly devoted to Jesus and to his ways and his doing and his way of, and way of being and worship him in prayer and in spiritual exercises that invite us to be close to him, and, uh, that, that bring us into his presence and, and allows us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Love God. Love people. The gospel is simply, it's not just about me and God. It's about me, God, and other people. And he's calling us to love others as we love ourselves. To live in such a way that, that we live as if we were loving God, but, only, but towards other people. But Jesus also doesn't send the disciples, nor does he send us out unprepared. Rather, that as we model his love for us, uh, uh, he, modeled, he himself modeled the kind of people that they were to be when they went. 
And they were good ambassadors that represented Messiah. So you and I, when we love God, and when we are devoted to Him, and we are devoted to one another uh, and loving them, that is our preparation and that is our marching orders. And then the following Jesus lifestyle will set you up for proclamation and good works. I need to share just as briefly. A word of my own theology. You probably have recognized this over the years. I am not a it's all going to burn type of guy. Okay? I am not a fiery brimstone preacher. I never have, never will be. I believe that Jesus' life and death and resurrection has enabled you and I to participate in God's restoration. It's the recovery of Eden, in a sense. What was broken in Eden by, by Adam and Eve was restored by Jesus. And now God has said, you can come in, in a sense, into this special relationship with me and the world and be a part of making things new. I'm not a turn and burn preacher. Rather, I'm a God's come near preacher. God has come near. And so we ought to turn and receive his shalom, his welcome, his peace, his purpose. That is the message I will always preach. Okay? That's the real born again life. The reason I say this is that oftentimes we think the gospel is go out and repent or die sort of, you know, mentality. It's a Westboro Baptist terribleness, you know. That's not me. That's not this. That's not the gospel. Rather, we are to give good words of life. The kingdom of God is now and in stages working its way until culmination when Jesus comes and makes things all better again. That is what we are all, what this is about. And Jesus' return. But in the meantime, our message is that God loves the world and that he has done what it has taken to enable humanity to enjoy a restored relationship with him and other people. Listen, I've been watching the news lately. I watch how uh, uh, we as, uh, as humans hate each other constantly and we're constantly trying to legislate ideas in order to make each other like each other better. Let me tell you, the gospel does that already. When we learn that God so loved the world, we recognize that I can see each person, whether they ever they come into the doors of this church or not, as my brother, as my sister, as my fellow human, and I can love them just as God loves me. Amen. So what about sin and death and judgment and hell and all that stuff, Jake? Why aren't you doing that? Why isn't that part of the gospel? Well, it, it kind of is. But if you notice that Jesus' gospel, really, he, he harps on the religious people more than he harps on the broken people. He says, you religious people... You're all about your mint and your cumin and looking good. But you ignore the weightier, weightier things, the poor, the taking care of, the oppressed. Jesus never seemed to lead with, you're a sinner and you're going to die unless you repent. Rather, he says, come follow me. Rather, he says, go and sin no more. He leads with mercy. He leads with love. And when we do those things, we... Uh, we begin to do good things. And so good deeds, evidences of God's goodness to those who need the good news. If you notice that Jesus is, or that God's restorative power came not to the sinless, but to the afflicted. Our good deeds give weight to our words. And they are to be for those who are least deserving, if there is such a thing. We ought to lead and act with love first. Last week was an example. What happened, Cindy, last week? Well, we were getting ready to start service about ten minutes before. Um, a lady walked in saying that she was getting ready to set up her baby shower, that she rented that pavilion to use from 10th to whatever it was. 
And, you know, Jake was like, well, we'll go move onto the grass. And she kindly let us stay where we were. And so we had our service, and her and her other family member came and were setting up for the baby shower and getting all ready as we were worshiping and doing the message. And, you know, we all cleaned up and left, and Tammy and I and, and Mom and Ken stayed, and we helped them set up for the baby shower. And walked, it worked about another half an hour or so with them, and blew up balloons, and, you know, put tablecloths, and did all this stuff to help them get ready. And as we were getting ready to leave, the ladies said how much they really appreciated being able to participate in our worship and in Jake's message while they were setting up, because they were missing church that day, and they said that, we were, you know, by living out what his message said. And so we didn't get to go to the space yesterday, last week. You know, we were all kind of bummed about that. But God had a bigger plan for us to touch these ladies and then their families through them by being, you know, part of their morning with them. And we had a great time awesome. with these ladies and, you know, doing, talking about all their decorations and just helping them. And it was just relaxed and just people spending time together. It was amazing. So you just never know, you know, what most disappointing circumstance could turn into an amazing way that God's affecting people that we didn't plan on. That, that's right, right there. Yeah. You see that? Gospel message, gospel actions. And that's what Jesus calls you and I to do. That was putting, that was like, that was Jesus closed type action right there. You guys were gospel in action. That's what he's calling us to. That's what I think the message that Jesus gives to us in this mess, in these scriptures. So how can we respond? Because many of us, when we think about being gospel preachers, pretty much turtle up. We go into our shell and we're like, I ain't do that. Let me, let me just encourage you. One, there will be opportunities at times to share the good news of the gospel. Somebody might ask, what do you believe? And some of us who are super like theologically minded like myself might just like delve into all of the different theological persuasions like, well, we can talk atonement theory if you would like to talk that or just go on and on and on and on and on. Or, or are you a universalist? Oh, let's talk about this. There's a reason why John 3.16 is the most remembered verse in the Bible. Jesus wants to keep it, stu uh, keep it simple, stupid. If somebody says, what do you believe? I believe that God so loved the world. He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Full stop, mic drop. That's it. <laughs> Keep your message simple. You only have a small window to talk. But last, or secondly though, keep your message simple and lead with love and kindness think that if we as a church and the church in general would put uh, all of our, uh, uh, our philosophizing and our theology uh, uh, and all of our um, pontificating as secondary and pick up love and mercy and lead with that first. You notice that when we come into this church, none of us goes, well, what's your sin? How have you fallen this week? Some people's sins are like right out in front of us, right? And so we can go, sinner, right? <laughs> when you came in today, nobody asked you that. We lead with, we're supposed to lead with love, lead with mercy, lead with kindness, 
leap with gentleness, self-control. Fruits of the Spirit, guys. When we lead in that way, we create an open arms welcoming thing that says, yes, we're going to deal with whatever it is that you have in your, in your present, in your past, in your future, whatever that is. But, and we'll deal with that the same way Jesus has dealt with me, slowly and in stages and over time. Lead with love and kindness. And let your actions do the speaking sometimes. Be cautious and open, though. Yes, there are going to be people that we're going to run into that we really would just like to, you know, blast or whatever it is. But let's just be a little more cautious with how we speak. And be open to speaking with people we might not actually interact with in a normal daily basis. And then lastly, be prepared for opposition. But don't, don't go after it. I've, I was way too militant in my early years as a believer. And I regret that. I invited the opposition because I thought I was some sort of holy soldier. You know, I took those, that hymn a little too seriously. Onward Christian soldiers marching against the war, right? I'm like, well, I'm going to save everybody, even if they have to die. If we would lead with, lead with mercy, we would lead with love. Oh my gosh, the harvest, as it were, could be reaped. This is God's word, I hope.